0: Can you imagine the level of a mind that watches wrestling? The audience wants to see action, adventure, wrestling, and plenty of it. Big men in tights, you know the drill.
1: Rammer, slammer. Welcome to Rammer, Slammer. I am Ben Flanagan. This is our twentieth episode of the wrestling podcast here in the deep south, and. We're here to talk about the WWE draft that you just saw on the debut episode of Smackdown Live. It aired this past Tuesday night. And we're going to talk about it with our buddy Daniel Wagner up there in Cleveland, Ohio as the Republican National Convention is going on. We'll we'll take a break from that and talk some wrestling with our good pal up there. But first, we're going to dive into this lawsuit, this class action lawsuit that more than 50 professional wrestlers have filed against World Wrestling Entertainment Incorporated. We'll talk to our good buddy and legal expert, the professor, Dr. Will Nevin, and we'll do that right now. This has been Flanagan, and I am here now with the professor, Dr. Will Nevin, again. What's up, Will? Not
0: much, my friend.
1: So that's not the case for Mr. Vincent Kennedy McMahon, and I'm not talking about the draft. We'll get to that a little bit later with our buddy Daniel Wagner. So some news broke this week that a a large group of former professional wrestlers, perhaps some of them are still active, have filed a class action lawsuit in Connecticut against WWE Inc. And they are citing that they are having uh, long-term problems from head injuries that they suffered as a result of obviously working with WWE and, and as professional wrestlers for many, many years. And they are suggesting that the company did not do enough in terms of treatment to help them, I guess, uh, treat and, and prevent long-term neurological head trauma and injury. Is that sort of the gist of what's happening right now? Can you help clear the, clear the muddy waters here? Sure. Um, well, as you said, it's a class action lawsuit.
0: And the lead plaintiff is Joseph Laurenidas, uh, brother to John and former road warrior animal. So that's, that's sort of the first interesting thing. Um, The other plaintiffs, you have some notable names too, Uh, Jimmy Snuka, which is interesting because he, uh, until very recently, was on trial for murder until he was declared incompetent. Um, So I don't know what those particular proceedings are, but that does certainly factor into this particular lawsuit. Uh, We also have the Hebners, uh, Dave and Earl of uh, former uh, referee uh, notoriety, Chavo Guerrero Jr., uh, Marty Genetti, uh some of the more recent names uh, that might ring a bell in the last 10, 15 years, Muhammad Hassan, uh, Mark Jindrak, and I know your favorite and mine, Heidenreich, all involved <laughs> in this lawsuit. But, yeah, it is very similar to what the NFL, what the NHL are facing in terms of chronic repeated head trauma. And it's hard to say, you know, where this is gonna go. Uh the WWE response has been, uh, you know, this is this is a crank lawsuit built uh filed by you know a crank attorney and um you know they very disparaging in their official um public remarks regarding The lawsuit. But it's clear that the plaintiffs here have all pretty much been disassociated uh, from WWE. So I wonder if, if that plays into it. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting to consider, you know, in sort of Snuka's era, you know, it's pre-attitude era, pre-hardcore wrestling. But my goodness, if you hop on the wwe network and watch anything from i don't know ballpark at 98 to 2002 and you still have those unprotected chair shots to the head and all of that you know garbage hardcore wrestling and you know that's not even taking into account the normal uh sort of bumps that you know wrestlers take that can cause head injuries and I'm not sure if they have a legal case here, but I'd say certainly they have a moral one.
1: Yeah, certainly, and and obviously public opinion will mostly be, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, I'm sure they had a lot of concussions. I mean, we're not far removed from Daniel Bryan's sudden retirement and and the many concussions that obviously left him with no choice but to leave the WWE. So concussions, because one of the biggest stars and biggest fan favorites in the industry left, Sooner than most fans obviously had hoped or wanted, concussions are certainly on the minds of a lot of fans in the whole quote-unquote WWE universe who will have an eye on this not only because of the the nature of the case and that it focuses on head trauma and, and how mainstream, unfortunately, this this type of injury has become thanks to the NFL and, and the NHL, as you mentioned, and now WWE. But there are big names in, in this list of plaintiffs. The ones you mentioned, Slick, the doctor of style, is on, is, is on this list sort of unexpectedly for me. Huge fan of Slick here. But, yeah, it's interesting. And, and the WWE has come out, and, and they've made a statement saying, look, with this the, the, the lead lawyer, or one of the lawyers involved in this class action lawsuit has, has already done – has already filed two suits before and each of them have been dismissed in the court. And we fully expect this to happen again. And and again, I know that this isn't necessarily your your specific focus, but you know this stuff better than I do. And and most of us, I I imagine, do you have any sort of inkling as to how this might all shake out? Like you said, it might not be a court case, but like you said, the the moral thing is a different story. But in court, what – what do you think could happen
0: well it's very difficult generally uh to see this type of class action lawsuit to its conclusion and uh i, I forgive me for any uh noise in the background the uh the mobile offices here have encountered a, a deluge <laughs> uh H- hoover is apparently uh under uh some sort of biblical flood at the moment
1: <laughs> um
0: But, um, you know, it doesn't appear that, you know, WWE is inclined to settle this thing. Um, It's in federal court, but given that it is uh, what we would call tort law, uh, you know, negligence, uh, personal injury, that sort of thing, uh, it's going to be governed by uh, the sort of case laws and other laws of Connecticut, so... Uh, that would be an interesting thing uh to unfold um as far as um you know what type of uh laws on the books um, I think the thing that strikes me with this case is that it is i would say unusually focused on head trauma um as we've discussed before, the life of a professional wrestler is incredibly difficult and I wonder why, again, the focus exclusively on head trauma, when you could encompass all sorts of other things like, you know, the WWE uh, sort of winking or turning its head at substance abuse. Uh, How many wrestlers have died young from heart attacks and other things related with uh, either prescription uh, or uh, recreational drug abuse? So – again that's where that's where the the moral aspect uh to this uh comes into play for me uh WWE certainly has done better in recent years and that uh i believe any wrestler who spent any time with the company has a standing offer for rehab um and i suspect they didn't necessarily do that out of the goodness of their hearts you know they wanted uh to prevent uh you know bad publicity and you know lawsuits like this uh from uh from getting out into the open uh but uh yeah, we both talked about that statement. They are definitely playing hardball with this case, and if I had to guess uh I'd say for one reason or another, it is going to go away much
1: like uh they think it is you know an interesting little twist of irony in all this is the involvement of. Superfly Jimmy Snuka, who, like you said, was charged in the murder of his girlfriend and was ruled incompetent to stand trial, and and one of the reasons he was ruled that was, I believe, they cited his long-term neurological head trauma, right? And and so now he's suing them for that reason. And the weird thing is, it's like, had you not had the head trauma, then you would be standing trial for on a murder charge. So. A lot of strange elements that play here for one, Mr. Snuka.
0: Yeah, and that's uh, that's an interesting case for an entirely different discussion. Um, Snuka at that time was premised to be the next big star for WWF, and there's a lot of questions about what Vince knew and when uh, when when did he know it. But uh, that's an entirely different
1: discussion. Yeah, and this is not. Vince McMahon and WWE's first rodeo at all when it comes to lawsuits and and their experience and they're they're obviously lawyered up. So I'm kind of with you. I think that this is probably going to go away, but I don't think this is the last time we're going to hear about concussions and about a lot of these legends of pro wrestling who are having to deal with again this long-term head injuries and
0: CTE, and, and
1: it's it's really an unfortunate part of the nature of the business as it is with the NFL and NHL and, and several different professional sports and, and sports in general. So, yeah, I, this could just be like the first chapter in all of this, and, and I'm guessing that WWE is, is going to get out as far ahead of it as possible, but uh, in the meantime, I guess we'll see what happens with this lawsuit. The professor, Dr. Will Nevin, thanks so much.
0: Anytime.
1: This has been Flanagan with Rammer Slammer. I'm joined now by our good buddy Daniel Wagner up in Cleveland. Daniel, how's it going, man? Doing good. Burning up in a drought. It's uh, Bama hot. And I'm tell you that I can now handle uh, Cleveland cold. I can no longer handle Bama hot. I'm dying. <laughs> the worst. <laughs> well, winter will come soon enough, I'm sure. So yeah, winter you'll, is coming. Yeah, you'll be in relief soon. Okay, so we've had this WWE draft last night on the debut episode of SmackDown Live, and we've talked ad nauseum about the draft, why they're doing it, if we really understand why they're doing it. And, and there it was last night. We have two split rosters. The brand split has happened now. We have a Monday show, a Tuesday show, Raw and SmackDown Live, and you've got, I think, 26 People drafted on the Raw roster and SmackDown, I think in the neighborhood of 16, at least televised. And then they did uh, a bunch of others on the WWE network afterwards and rounded out the entire WWE roster. Sans one poor and lonely Heath Slater, who I believe is the only active roster member who did not go <laughs> drafted. So, poor well, Heath. I've actually got some uh, information on apparently what Heath Slater is going to be doing. It's great. Well, drop it on us right now. Okay, so apparently this is being worked into an angle, and this was, of course, on purpose. That's why they showed him sitting there all alone. (laughs) He, uh, according to Brian Alvarez at Wrestling Observer, who I tend to believe on anything, him or Meltzer, the reason why I pay for their obscene prices, uh, Slater is going to take some Evolve dates and random other affiliate stuff. So it's almost that he is released and is going to build himself as the number one free agent in wrestling. (laughs) And that's what they're going to kind of do with him. Um, And then I don't know what the end game is, if this is going to be something towards where they do a joke kind of, we've got to take him, which would be great. If they kind of do what they did with Stone Cold with the very first draft where he was, the free agent, and they were both trying to woo him to the uh, McMahon and Flair were trying to woo him to their brands. excuse me, um, just had a whole bunch of uh taquitos from seven eleven so excuse the indigestion that's coming uh but that's kind of a looks like what they're gonna do with him is put him on some indie dates, have him I'm sure doing you know YouTube shoot esque videos and then use that. He hasn't been released. He's not going to be released. So, I think that's what, according to uh, Alvarez, they're going to do. That's, which that's, isn't even the dumbest thing, actually, compared to a lot <laughs> of the other stuff they did in that draft. That's actually kind of an interesting, cool idea. Yeah, that that's true, and that seems like a lot of effort to go to for one for Heath Slater, who I, who I really like, and I think is pretty funny. Yeah. But, let's jump into the draft real quick. So, Going into this, I didn't really understand really narratively the need for the draft. I am I, fine with it, and I was totally open to it. But I just hope that they would have explained it from a storytelling standpoint in, in a way that made any sense at all. I don't think they really did that personally. And in, in pushing the, in, in in really putting such a great emphasis on brand, 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 bottom line, business, and letting Shane and Stephanie sort of be the face of this whole process, I thought it was a mistake and and it was interesting as i'm sure you've probably seen the this backstage interview with cesaro kind of says it all where he sort of broke it down and i can't believe they let him do this but broke it down in a way that suggested that this should be about the superstars this should not be about the brass and and i i totally agree with him that the the actual you know follow through in in the draft itself I thought was kind of a bore in that they were just reading names and we just saw a list and we didn't really get a sense of how this directly affected the men and women who were drafted to, to each of the rosters. And that part of it didn't really work for me. I can't wait to see how it it works out on these two shows. I'm intrigued by each of the rosters and, and by you know, which which men and women are on each roster, but I, I gotta say, just in the, the actual practice of the draft and again the the narrative explanation didn't really do it for me. What about you? Um narrative no. Um I think that it there is a lot of ways they could have gone. Putting Shane and Stephanie against each other, I think that was a great idea. Um you need the babyface heel counterbalance. It made sense. You know, um, the original draft Flair had bought Raw or you know something to that effect. He had bought into the company and owned half of WWE. Um, this is 2003, so bear if I don't remember everything from 13 years ago. But that was kind of the idea: them splitting, um, McMahon taking SmackDown, Flair taking Raw. With that, I think that there was a story to be told, um, and maybe in the sense of Shane pushing for Shane guys and girls, you know, Stephanie pushing for the more established, you know, money makers, quote-unquote. Um, now, the execution on it, I mean, we can address the Cesaro thing. It, that was a beautiful work shoot interview. It's an absolute work, though. I mean, there's... He did not go rogue because there wouldn't be anything with it. I wouldn't doubt they play a storyline where he starts sandbagging to force a trade and that you may see him get traded to SmackDown. Um, Wouldn't be a horrible storyline for him. Uh, With a real interesting shoot one with Alberto Del Rio because they split him from Paige and they're dating right now, and this may all be for total divas. But, I mean, he was legitimately angry at the situation. Um, What I really think, though, with the draft and all, um, the presentation on SmackDown was clunky. Now, draft live on the network was awesome. That was an amazing thing because you had Graves, Lita, Renee Young, and Booker T breaking it down as if it was legit. A legit draft and talking about what the picks mean. You had them bashing picks, loving picks. Um they had a ton of interviews with people that were really funny, a lot of them that were awful baby face, I'm going to give it my all and you know all that kind of crap. Um highly suggest going back and watching the entire 3-hour draft central. Um just worth every second of it. <laughs> but you know with the idea of a draft, I liked it. Because it is it's convoluted right now, but there were nothing there was nothing storyline wise. Now you know you keep AJ and and John Cena together, that's great. Um, That's really about the only storyline I can think of that's ongoing. Um, SmackDown only having an Intercontinental Belt is is horrible. They stand back SmackDown again. They're trying to build it up and they did not give them anything to work with. Um, Raw has the new Cruiserweight title, the U.S. title, and the women's title. And you're you're just kind of like you have four or three things against two. I I really just kind of feel bad for SmackDown. There isn't a lot there wrestling-wise, and their whole idea was that was going to be the wrestling show. Well, you didn't take a lot of the wrestlers, and you took people that didn't make any sense. I mean, I think you saw on Twitter, I was doing a (laughs) round-by-round breakdown of, like, draft grades, and there was moments when SmackDown was good, and then there were some F grade. You know, take Baron Corbin over Cesaro, really. Like, Baron Corbin goes ahead of American Alpha and a bunch of other people. Oh, the tag belts are also on Raw. So, you know, four belts to one, Uh, Or two right now. God knows what happens at Battleground. Um, But, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how this all plays out, if they have anything storyline like trades or other things. Um, The breaking up, um, you know, from an NXT standpoint, there were two sure-thing draft picks and then four, I don't know what in the living hell they were doing. Picks that came up um, that are just people not ready. Uh, you can look at Carmella that um, at WrestleMania when they called up Enzo and Cass, they said she wasn't coming up because she needed more seasoning and something to do. So in three months she's become roster ready, and Bailey isn't, you know, uh, or Oscar. And I granted they've got a belt on Oscar, but you know what? They're not they're not ready to go. Um, you are supposed to make this like a legitimate thing, and you take Alexa Bliss over Shinsuke Nakamura, you know, or Samoa Joe, or The Revival, or a lot of other really good talent they have down there. Um, it, it's it's weird. Um, Mojo Raleigh doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I know he tags with uh, Zack Ryder down there, but. Really over you know, Austin Aries or you know any number of other people that they have. It's just a uh, it was baffling from the NXT um, uh, and uh, a lot of it in general, like a lot of their picks. I just I do not understand at all. Yeah, Eva um, Marie too. Eva Marie, which did not count. She counted as a Raw active or a WWE active and not an NXT person,
0: which is no. weird
1: because. Uh she I guess cuz she wrestled at WrestleMania. You know? I don't know if that made <laughs> that, like, her officially... a 42 woman match. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It was so god awful. Um thank god the Triple Threat was as good as it was and possibly you can make a case with the match of the night um because it it needed something. You've um you know like I can sit there and look at someone like Nia Jax who granted she's the Rock's cousin. So, you know, if you are a you know bloodline relative uh is the friend of a former coworker's daughter that is a fourth cousin of the Inouye family, then you're always going to get called up and get a push like I don't know what that family has on Vince McMahon, but it's the most sure thing like get a part of that family, they're always gonna have a job for you um American Alpha this is the dumbest. Here's your other inside piece of information that's the stupidest idea. For a long period of time on Tuesday, only Jason Jordan was going to get called up. Not American Alpha, just Jason Jordan. They were going to split up their hottest tag team for no reason whatsoever and sink Jason Jordan as a single star, which he was never good at. And so, like, I mean, that was kind of the logic they were doing down there, and it made no sense. Uh, Finn Balor, perfect. He went exact. I would have probably taken him number one. Um, in all honesty, he's that good. Uh, made great. Him and Seth Rollins are going to have amazing matches. We'll stick um, with him for just a minute because uh, I keep yeah. hearing from a lot of fans out there that Finn Balor going when he did, which I believe was fourth overall, maybe. And uh, no, he was did. third overall. Third over, okay. Third, I knew it was top five. So he went ahead yeah, of Roman Reigns. Yeah. So going third overall was WWE making a statement. Did you see it that way? And if so, what kind of mm-hmm. statement are they making? I think what they're they're doing is one acknowledging that he has been the face of NXT. He has great merch sales. You don't find people that don't like Finn Balor. He works well. He's got he's got it. He's had it everywhere he went, you know? And you know, putting that out there, the statement being that we are we're gonna take him and we're not gonna do like what we did with Apollo Cruz. And we're going to not for once bury him like they did with Neville in some sense. Uh Sami Zayn. Uh you're you're going to see him in the marquee, you're going to see him AJ Styles jump real damn quick without having to do the jobs because he went through TNA. Uh, I I loved it. I'm ready for it. He he's got everything you want. The look, sells merch. is charismatic. has maybe the best entrance outside of Shinsuke Nakamura right now uh, to the ring. Um great music. The demon thing he pulls out for the pay-per-views. I love doing it as a one off sort of thing. I'm sure he'll do that on his debut. Uh he'll do the the demon. But there's I mean, there's a lot to like. And with them putting Anderson and Gallows with them, they can reunite the original Bullet Club since uh Ben Balor, Prince DeWitt, was the founder of Bullet Club. He's the one who came up with the idea put him back with those guys, there's money to be made. There is a lot of money to be made with him. And I think putting that, you know, showing it right off the bat is is brilliant. So what um, do you read in what do you read into the fact that Nakamura and Samoa Joe and Bailey, these big stars at the NXT levels, the people who are clearly ready for for their own respective call ups to the WWE, what do you read into they're not getting drafted and staying with NXT? Is it that NXT is enough of a brand on its own that it needs established (laughs) stars to to sort of keep thriving and keep going? Um, Well, you know, there's one with, okay, so Finn Balor was very vocal over a year of saying that he had no desire to leave NXT. I don't know if you've gotten around to watching Finn Balor and Shinsuke Nakamura, Balor's last match. It's it's beautiful it is a great four and a half star match four to four and a half star match um and at the end of it Finn balor breaks down crying at like i think i've said it before it never gets any better than that crowd and it's the everybody who leaves nxt balls their eyes out on their last match and there was something with him and Shinsuke Nakamura have known each other for 20 years. They went to the New Japan Dojo together. They're, you know, you're fighting your best friend, and both of you are going ridiculous, just beating the ever-living hell out of each other. Um, I think, though, with NXT, it is a big enough brand. They have a fear of gutting it, and maybe they didn't think they had enough people coming in or... Um, Currently, there to drive it from a main event standpoint. uh Right now, Samoa Joe doesn't really have a person to challenge him for the belt. I know he's going to fight Rhino. Rhino's not going to take the belt from him. I think Nakamura is your only one. Maybe they think Shinsuke needs a little bit more time in the oven down there. I don't know why he's perfect. Like, and you're not going to teach him anything new. He's going to wrestle the way he wrestles, and that's the that's the reason you got him was to do what he does. Uh, so you've um, maybe that's it. They just didn't want to completely raid the cupboard, but at the same end, that's that's got to be a slap in the face, you know, especially for Bailey. And that and that was the one that I was legitimately angry about. It really pissed me off. Is because no one has paid their dues more than her, and. They let her. They let the other three horsewomen leave a year ago, and they kept her. They let Nia Jax, who's been only wrestling for four months since the first time she stepped in a ring, and yeah, she's big and she looks intimidating, but she doesn't win big matches. She always loses her big matches. She lost to Bailey. She lost to Oscar. She you just don't I I don't get why you're so quick to throw her in there. When you have a good women's division right now, Bailey becomes the compliment. Bailey's your ultimate babyface. She is the best baby face in all of wrestling. We as a smarky, jaded, thirty plus year old wrestling fan, I should hate everything about her and I get giddy when I hear her music hit. Because it's she's just that good. Um uh, it, it's a damn shame. And I think maybe they just didn't want to completely gut it. But if there is a, a bright spot with having Carmella and Alexa Bliss, which I was—I agree with Alexa Bliss, that she's, she's good enough. And Nia Lee and Eva Marie, for what it's worth, people like Tessa Blanchard get a chance, uh, the daughter of Tully Blanchard, get a chance to really shine. And there are some, you know, there's some other girls that maybe it's, you know, they they get their chance, and I, I just, you know, it's kind of the same thing when Paige and Emma left. That's when Charlotte and Sasha and Becky and Bailey got their chance, and then Bailey or uh, the other horsewomen leave, and Oscar comes in, Nia Jax, and Alexa Bliss, and Carmella and them, they get their chance, but the, the underlying narrative is always that Bailey still doesn't get her chance, and it's, it's a damn shame. I don't know how much more dues you can pay. So. Yeah, also you know, was another one that um, would have been a no-brain bring-up. And I, granted, she doesn't speak English very well. She's very limited. But you put her with someone like Paul Heyman, and you bring Paul Heyman out there and let him know that he is an equal opportunity employer of ass kickers, and you build her as the female Brock Lesnar that just beats the ever living hell out of everybody, which she does. She kicks really damn hard and punches really hard and gets mad at you if you don't hit her as hard as she's hitting you. Um, you build her that way with let Heyman handle all of it, Let her just stand there and and just smirk the entire time. There's money. Like that's easy money. And somehow they don't see it. And, yeah, of course, you know, you have these great people, so leave them down because God knows Carmella with her rip-off gimmick of Enzo and Cass, and you put her on the show that Enzo and Cass aren't on. So she's, one, not with her boyfriend, and, two, you're going to have her throw out there and do her, my name's Carmela, and I'm the princess of Staten Island and doing the how you doings and stuff. With a crowd that isn't going to really know her, and she's dead. She's dead in the water without Enzo Cass. So, you know, whatever. Yeah. Well, Maybe. you know, the, the Nakamura thing is a big head scratcher for me because I've, with his debut, the Sami Zayn Nakamura match, which is basically considered match of the year so far, one of the best matches in a long time. <clears throat> or yeah, I mean, it's 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 on a short list of just great matches in the past few years. Oh yeah. I mean, the guy the guy improved his metal. As a legit star, like whether it's WWE NXT, whatever, man, like that match. If that if that was an audition, then that tells you the guy should be at the top right now. And, yeah. and I understand why, you know, he had to sort of go through the, the whole NXT process. But honestly, like if they're gonna have this draft and they're gonna call up some NXT people, I just I do not understand why Nakamura is not part of that group. And I don't understand why you don't play it as a shoot. You know, like from the jump, it feels like this is obviously a work. You're not fooling anyone and thinking, I thought the better thing would have had Vince McMahon come out and call it the same way that Roger Goodell calls draft picks. And you have war room set up for SmackDown and Raw. And you put some writers in there. You've got Daniel Bryan and... Uh, Shane, Stephanie, and Mick Foley, and you do their picks and stuff from a war room setting like the NFL draft, and you see someone get drafted, and they show a reaction on the other side, either happy because their guy's still there or devastated and they're trying to work it out, and you've got damn whiteboards and... All this other stuff. Play it like this is legitimate, instead of them just standing there being like, "Oh, okay, cool pick, cool pick." Uh, I'll take. Uh, damn. Uh, screw it, Bray Wyatt. Come on, you're on my team. Yeah, there was no drama. There were no stakes, and and honestly, no. like during during the actual show, the only person who like interacted with the draft was Kevin Owens when he made his entrance for his non-match with Kane. And he didn't even – it wasn't even Mike. It was just him screaming Mm -hmm. at at each of the the duos there. And that, that, for me, that was the best moment of the actual draft because you actually saw how it affected one of the wrestlers. And it's just – to me, that it makes no sense to ignore that aspect, the actual state and who it affects. Man, and look, him during that draft live, he ran into the room holding that Raw shirt, throws it across the room, Tells them he's going to wear their dumb, damn red shirt. You sit there and disrespect me, drafted me this low, expect me to wear this, throws it across the room, throw in a temper tantrum, because he's a damn god at what he does <laughs> of being a complete jerk. You well, know, my little nephew, he's uh, five. He's just now started into wrestling, and I talked to him on the phone, and he was going over. He was asking me who I like and whatever, and we got to Kevin Owens. Like I love Kevin Owens. He's like... I don't like him. He's a jerk. I'm like, and exactly he's doing what he's supposed to do. There is. You've got the little kids and younger people hate him because of how mean he is. But you can't really ask for anything more. Um, Yeah, he had the moment of actually interacting and yelling at them how stupid they were for not taking the best that they have in the company. Uh, That's another interesting. You finally had a chance to break him and Sami Zayn up. And to finally make battleground the blow-off of the feud of the century. Yeah. And you keep them on the same show. So we're going to keep doing that match. And neither one of them are ever going to be able to progress past that match. It's it's just all of it so damn beyond me. So stupid. it almost time, thousand times, I think maybe it was you that said it, they were just throwing darts. <laughs> Whoever it hits, that's who I'm picking. Uh you know, and then like rewatch the the rest of the draft on the network. You know, Golden Truth was the first pick <laughs> after they went off the air. Yeah. They're the first one. And I love Golden Truth. They have the best T shirt right now. Um have you seen it with them like sitting in sweater best in a uh like an Olin Mill style family photo? Um it's great, but you don't draft based on that. You've got yeah, Cesaros, you know, are like somebody else who's still sitting there, you know, waiting to get picked, just, just hanging out. Uh, so we've got, they've got an uphill battle. Um, they're going to have to rewrite a bunch of storylines after Battleground. Got it around, apparently, it's going to be the palate cleanser um, and the big thing of Sorbet to retcon everything. But, I mean, it's new 52 level confusing um, from D.C., of what they're honestly trying to do. And I don't know. I'm going to stick around with it because I always stick around with it. As much as I can complain about it, I it's still the most accessible wrestling, and it's you know, still good for what it's worth. Um, other great breaking news. Today it was confirmed that uh, Johnny Gargano is now full-time at NXT. My boy has finally made it in this world. Um, He's wrestling EC3 tomorrow up here at AIW, or I guess on Friday uh, at AIW with Zack Sabre Jr. and a bunch of the people that are in the Cruiserweight Classic, which if any of your listeners are not watching that, you're the dumbest people on the face (laughs) of the earth. You should be watching it every Wednesday with bated breath. Two episodes in, it has been absolutely awesome. And you'll get to see people... That may be wrestling in your local area, or people that are wrestling. You can find their stuff on the internet, and you can discover some great new wrestlers that you've never heard of before. Um, next week, Zack Saber Jr. is going to be debuting. You got to watch it. First episode, um, Bushi wrestled. That's you got to see him. Uh, but you know, maybe that. Apparently, a lot of those cruiserweight guys got signed to developmental deals. So. You know, that's how you're going to rebuild your NXT brand, I guess, is through these guys who were getting open auditions. So, who who the hell knows at this point? As I said, WWE, a lot of the time, seems to just shoot themselves in the foot. They have the best ideas. I mean, this almost feels like the invasion all over again. I was so excited for a month and a half. I did so many one-off podcasts with people doing fantasy drafts. (laughs) I was like, this is what I would do. And this is how I would build my storyline, and apparently we were just not on the same. The only thing that was that I got right out of it was that Dean Ambrose and AJ Styles would end up on – and John Cena would end up on SmackDown, and that's it. And even with John Cena, he's not going to be doing house shows. So even if you – let's look at another angle, is your house shows, which are the bread and butter uh, moneymakers, you're going to have on SmackDown – a John Cena that's only doing limited dates because of his TV and everything else he's got going on. He's basically only going to appear for pay-per-views and TV shows. And he's the biggest draw. And they looked at the numbers of cities last year. He missed 36 dates last year of cities that they had gone to the previous year, and the attendance at those places were down 20% across the board. So, no, you're going to do SmackDown Live, and You've got uh, Dean Ambrose and AJ Styles as the ones that are going to have to carry the whole thing. We'll see if they can actually do it. Um, I, I'm not I am not. Um, uh, big on what maybe SmackDown's future could be, because they screwed it for no apparent reason. Okay, so, so I mean, yeah, last question here, and just in terms of the draft. Like you said, you were super excited about it. You were doing fantasy drafts. Now that it's happened, was was it a disappointment for you? Yes. Um overall, very big disappointment. Um the only bright spots that I can really think of is Finn Balor and American Alpha coming up. Um American Alpha's gonna be awesome. Uh they're such an a fun tag team to watch. They're such good wrestlers. Uh pure wrestlers. Um, the other than that though, there's just a uh gulf of what what were you thinking and Raw could be really good I don't think Smackdown you know, I said it on my DVR to record every week I don't know if it's going to stay after a couple of weeks um, I'll give it a fair Maro Ronaldo had a chance to call some really great matches that he won't get to call now um, so yeah I mean I just think that it was It was such a great opportunity, blown. Same with the invasion. Same with the anytime else they've done the draft, they get really close and just peter out. No, let's go another one there. What the hell is Chris Jericho going in like the third round? (laughs) Like, like, there's another one. Chris Jericho going above Cesaro and (laughs) Dolph Ziggler and a bunch of other people. Chris Jericho, let's take him. I I, know, love him. I don't I don't, yeah. I don't hate Chris Jericho. I like his his, his run here, but no I, I mean I understand. I totally agree and honestly the biggest yeah. travesty perhaps in all of this is that poor Mauro Ranallo is stuck with JBL on SmackDown mm-hmm. and, and you have and Corey Graves paired with Michael Cole obviously for for Raw. I don't understand why you don't switch that. No. Maybe, maybe Oh my god, you put too. Oh man, you put Mauro with Corey Graves in that show. It's so must watch. But now, yeah, you've got Maro, uh, Like, now we got to figure out Maggle's dead. Is it going to be Mara? Like, <laughs> what's the new one going to be? Because his name's even harder. His name's real hard to pronounce. <laughs> if you don't, like, get it in your head. Like, it's a name that you kind of have to start the engine a little bit before you say it to make sure you get the pronunciation exactly right. Yeah, the one thing uh, that we, we could glean from JBL every week is his pronunciation of Michael. They take that away from us. So what, what mm-hmm. do we have now? Exactly. Will we have a cowboy hat? Well, no, because Kevin Owens is on Raw. I don't even have a Kevin Owens wearing cowboy hat thing anymore to to go to. uh, Oh, God, I don't know what to think of this whole thing. Well, (laughs) They invite him with the idea of fixing, you know, more people getting a chance to grab the old brass ring screwed everybody on the back end. Daniel Wagner, we we appreciate it, man. We'll see how it all shakes out. But until next time, we'll we'll talk to you soon. (laughs) No problem, dude. anytime. Rammer Slammer is produced and edited by Ben Flanagan for the Alabama Media Group and AL.com. Find us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Rammer Slammer. Thanks for listening.